It's time for the Creative Real Estate Podcast, your source for out-of-the-box real estate investing strategies brought to you by ecospace.com. Now, here's your hosts, Adam and Jason. Welcome back to the Creative Real Estate Podcast. I am DJ Scruggs, along with my partner, Manny Perez. Hey, what's going on, DJ? Hey, Manny. Um, so as, as you know, uh, Manny, we talk a lot about creative strategies, and um, today we've got a, uh, a guest who has an especially creative strategy around conservation easements, but first, let's introduce him. So hello, everyone. Say hello to Brandon Hall. Hi, Brandon. Hey, thanks for having me on. Yeah, well, uh, so we were doing a pre-interview here, but well, before I get into that, why don't you tell us a little bit about your background, Brandon? You're a, are you a CPA? Yes, so I'm a certified public accountant, and I run a CPA firm that focuses exclusively on real estate investors and folks that are in the real estate industry, so flippers, developers, builders. Um, we have around 250 clients all over the U.S. Wow! So, and you're based in the D.C. area, is that right? I was I was based in the D.C. area. I actually just moved to Raleigh, North Carolina. Oh. But our firm is our firm's virtual, so we don't we don't meet local clients face to face. Everything's done online. So m- myself and all of our employees, they can kind of just travel around at 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 will and still be able to service our clients. In the internet, great. <laughs> it's it's awesome how we can just be totally distributed and, and <laughs> be effective. So we, we wanted to jump into, you were telling us uh, a moment ago about conservation easements. And, um, well, let me let you just describe to us what the strategy is and how it works and who you <clears throat> benefit from it. Sure. So generally reserved for high net worth folks or folks that are earning a higher income, mm-hmm. um, typically 33% tax bracket and above. So we're talking $300,000 or above. Um, what what you do is you invest. Uh, so, so it's called a land conservation easement. Mm-hmm. And easements, w- when an easement gets applied to a property, it has certain stipulations. So land conservation easement says you can no longer develop on this piece of land. So the land will always be preserved in its natural form. Mm -hmm. Um, So these these conservation easements, they started in a more of a, uh, more of an economic, or not economic, more of a um, uh, let's support like the land and let's conserve the land type of way. And then the IRS wanted to, or sorry, Congress wanted to support that. And so they started offering tax incentives for investing in these conservation easements. So the way that it works is you as the investor would invest in a syndicate most of the time. And and a syndicate is going to be like an LLC or a limited partnership um, that is going to have 10 or 20 or, or, um, or a hundred investors in it. And, um, you'll you'll invest in that syndicate and what'll happen is the syndicate will go and buy the land and the land might be worth like ten million dollars and then they'll have an appraiser come out and the appraiser will say all right well the if this land were developed the land would actually be valued at fifty million dollars and what'll then happen is the entity that owns the land that you've invested in Mm -hmm. will then say okay we're going to take this $50 million potential piece of land and we're going to, we're going to assign a conservation easement to it, which means that nobody can ever develop on it. And what that means is that the investors get to write off the net spread between the base investment amount and the future development amount. 
and they get to write it off on Schedule A as a charitable donation because that land can no longer be developed. Huh. So is the idea is is was Cong was Congress thinking, you know, we want a market mechanism here so that these properties that we think might you know, that otherwise would be developed, we just want some way to get people to buy it and not develop it? Is that the the, the strategy here? Yeah, I, I, you know, who knows what Congress is thinking? <laughs> That's true. Yeah, why don't even? Ask um, <laughs> we, 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 we don't know, but they're actually starting to crack down on it now. So, oh, wow. if if you are reporting land conservation easements, the IRS will probably dig into it and make sure that all your documents are in order. It's totally legal, and it's a part of the tax code. Mm -hmm. It's just something that kind of blew up into something that was not intended. So at first, it was intended for like you know the farmers who who are saying, I, I want to be able to pass this land down to the next 10 generations and, and it's a part of our family type thing. And uh, by by assigning an easement to it, they're saying, okay, well, Mr. Farmer, thank you for doing that. Now here's a little bonus. Uh, the future development potential was this, your land is worth this, so you get to quote unquote donate as or count as a charitable donation the spread, the difference there. Um, but then you had these syndicates pop up where, you know, you've got doctors and attorneys and every and all these guys that are just purely looking for tax shelters yeah. and don't really have an interest in the land at all. Um, and they they uh, so, so so that's why the IRS is starting to crack down on this. I see. Well, it only takes one person to uh, to figure this out. Next thing you know, you got a bunch of other people trying to do it as well. So, um you know, how, how, how many times have you done uh, this, you know, creative strategy or, you know, ballpark? You know, is this something that is done often or? Yeah, it's done. It's it's relatively often. Um, we've done about 15 of these this year. Now, when I wow. say we've done them, it doesn't mean. A lot. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. So so we're not like setting up the syndicate and buying the land, right? Right. right. We're just guiding our clients through it as they they're investing in the syndicates. Um, so there's like teams and companies of people that'll set these things up and pool funds to go and buy the land. And so we just connect our clients to those types of folks. And we help them understand what their tax position is going to look like after they make the donation uh, and after that land, after that easement is assigned to that land. That's fascinating. I, I remember reading a while back, there's a, a big time, um, I guess they're technically a hedge fund. Uh, it's uh, the Carlisle Group in D.C. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, David Rubenstein, the guy who founded that, that's he started doing something similar back in the 70s or early 80s. He he found a tax write-off that had to do with, uh, uh, I'm, I'm sure I want to explain it correctly, but it had to do with um, mineral rights in Alaska. <laughs> and he would go around and sell these syndicates that allow people to get tax write-offs, but then Congress shut it down, but he made so much money. He's like, great, I'm going to do this some more. And, and <laughs> Carl is gigantic. They do investments all over the world now. But you, know, you, from, you never know. You find a loophole in the tax code, and big things can come from it. Yeah, um, absolutely. So one other strategy uh, we wanted to ask you about because we saw it on Bigger Pockets. You'd written a post about this. Is the uh, you call it the Bar Strategy, in, which is uh, distinct from the Burr Strategy that um, I believe it's Brandon Turner. Brandon Turner, I believe that's the yeah, one. Yeah, Brandon He's the Turner. one who sort of pitches that. So can you can you sort of walk us through the, those two and what the differences are? Sure. So the Burr Strategy is buy, rehab, rent refinance repeat mm -hmm. 
And all I am suggesting that we do is we add an A between the, the, the B and the first R. So the A stands for advertise. What we often see happen is clients go and they buy property, they'll rehab it, they'll rent it out, they'll refinance it, and then they'll roll the money into the next property, and that's their investment strategy. But what we find is that a lot of investors, they won't actually advertise their property for rent until the rehab is 100% complete, which from a practical perspective makes a lot of sense because you're not going to get top dollar unless you've got the shiny paint and the nice fixtures all, all up and ready to go. Uh, but from a tax perspective, that doesn't make a lot of sense because there are two there are two there there are two considerations that we need to think about from a tax perspective um, in order to place a property into service. And it's important to understand how to place a property into service because costs that are incurred after a property is in service mm-hmm. can potentially be written off as operating costs rather than being forced to be capitalized. So any cost that you incur prior to a property being in service, you have to capitalize and you have to depreciate. We don't really want to capitalize and depreciate because we're going to be writing we're, we're going to be recovering our costs over 27 and a half years. So we're recovering our costs over a long period of time rather than today. Mm-hmm. Um, and we when we sell the property later on, we're going to have something called depreciation recapture. Mm-hmm. So, for example, if I spend ten thousand dollars on like painting, but I paint before the property is in service, then I have to capitalize that ten thousand dollars, depreciate it over twenty seven and a half years. And then if I ever sell the property, I have to pay a tax on the depreciation that I've taken on that ten thousand oh. dollars. Makes sense. But yeah. if I if I paint after the property is in service, then I just get to write off the entire ten thousand dollars today. So I recover my cost today, and I don't have to worry about the depreciation recapture tax at a later point. So to be in service, two things have to happen: the property has to be ready, mm-hmm. and it has to be available. Well, oftentimes ready can be a pretty low threshold to meet. Mm-hmm. Um, in certain cities, it's a certificate of occupancy. Um, so you can go and you can look what what is what's required for me to get a certificate of occupancy. Well, d- does it have to be painted? I, I don't know. It depends on locality. Um, but ready can be a relatively low threshold to meet. You could theoretically not have appliances in the unit, but it would be ready to house somebody. Um, <clears throat> but what happens is our investors, even though the property is ready somewhere during the rehab, they'll wait until the very end to advertise it for rent. So all I'm saying is, Let's go ahead and make it available at the very beginning, and then we can duke it out with the IRS on when is the property actually ready. Okay, and so, so by so, give me an example of like what would 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 you just place an ad like any other ad, or would you put some caveats in there, or or what? Yeah, yeah, you, you can place an ad like any other ad. Um, you could say coming soon. Um, you know, what whatever whatever floats your boat. Now, what we want to see is an ad on a third-party website that has a clear date stamp. Mm. Um, Or if you want to place a for-rent sign out in the front yard, you take a photograph of that for-rent sign and your property with a date stamp somewhere on that photograph. Um, So the key is just the date stamp and and just demonstrating that it was indeed advertised on a certain date. Because who – I mean, I would argue 100% of the time that – if you if you advertise a property before you rehab it, you rehab it. You do it's a full gut rehab, right? You you adver- you, you you fix everything, 
And then at the very end, you're doing the cosmetic stuff. So you're putting down carpet, you're painting, you're buying appliances. I would argue that none of those costs materially improve the actual structure, right? N- none mm-hmm. of those costs are, are actually improvements. So if you've already advertised, we could theoretically write those costs off. Um, but if you advertise after you incur those costs, then, then there's no doubt about it that your property was not, your property was ready, but it wasn't available. And so un- until you make it available, all the costs are capitalized and depreciated. I, I feel like I just uh, saved myself a bunch of money in the future by, <laughs> by, by talking with you today. Well, and, and I'm actually in a situation right now that this might apply. Um, I have a house that I was going to flip and sell, but I've decided to hold on to it and uh, rent it out. And what I did almost right after I bought it, not long after, I put a big for sale by owner sign in the yard. Uh, And I did that because a friend of mine who's done this, he says that sometimes people will drive by and they'll basically pre-purchase the house. You know, that it may be they're looking in that neighborhood and, you know, here's their chance to influence, you know, the the carpet and, and the cabinets, you know, before you've actually done it. Would that count as being in service or does it have to be rental? Yeah, yeah, that, that that would count as being in service. Now, now that said, like we're not going to we're not going to depreciate property unless it is a rental property. I see. So it needs to be held out for rental rather than for sale. Um, but yeah, if I mean, if you're if if you were to switch that for sale by owner to for rent, then that would be in service at that point. Okay. Excellent. Okay. Well, I just. Yeah, I definitely. <laughs> From now on, as soon as I buy a house, I put that sign up. Absolutely. There you go. All right. Well, we know you've got a hard stop here coming up, Brandon. Um, but these are two excellent strategies. And so, um, where, where can folks find you online? So you can find me at www.therealestatecpa.com, um, and that's yeah. Or on Bigger Pockets, I contribute a lot on Bigger Pockets. You can tag me in the forums. Um, but we, we write a lot of content for the real estate CPA.com and we have a blog, uh, and we're, we're doing webinars. So our first non-client webinar is actually this month. Oh, terrific. So we'll make sure to mention that in the show notes. When is your webinar? Uh, that is actually a good, a good question. <laughs> I think it's, I think it's the 28th, 28th Let me see. of November. Yeah. Yeah. 28th of November. Okay. So folks, make sure you go to the real estate CPA.com and register for the webinar. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for your time, Brandon. We, uh, we really appreciate it. Yeah, thank you guys for having me. Thank you so much for listening to the Creative Real Estate Podcast. And if you got value from this episode of the podcast, please take the time to leave us a rating and review on iTunes. Give us a written rating and a review. We'd really, really appreciate it. I'm going to let you go. But until next time, think outside the box.